Thank you for visiting 32 Kings. <laughs> Hosted by the League Ambassadors, I'm Ambassador Kenny Ken Ken, and it is my pleasure to be here today with my, my brothers. brothers. This is episode 10 of our 32 Kings Road vodcast, and as a reminder, uh, please follow us on social media everywhere. We are at the League AM. That's on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, we have a YouTube channel. Uh, today we're going to finish our uh, Los Angeles Rams New York Giants NFL International Series preview because that is the big game this Sunday at Twickenham Stadium. Uh, also, we are going to do again a Facebook Live and we'll talk about that a little bit later, but look for us on Facebook Live this Sunday, uh, 6 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Before we get into the show, we got a little bit of show business mm. because we had a tie last <laughs> week in picks uh, between Ambassador... Uh, Devin and Ambassador Joe. Uh, so oh, real quick, uh, one, two, three. Rock paper scissors. Hit it. One, two, three. What? One, two, three. That's two scissors. Whoa. Keep going. Is that two scissors? Okay. <laughs> two scissors. That's one. One, two, three. Up. He got you. He Joe's up one. Joe's up one. He's up. And one. then one more. One, That's... two, three. Come on. I'll do it again. One, two, three. Huh. One, two, three. Okay. Gotcha. Devin, don the shirt. Gotcha, bitch. <laughs> don the shirt. <laughs> Devin wins the... Give me this bullshit. <laughs> look, look, look. And I'm going to say this, right? I was looking at you the whole time, this. Kenyon. Was uh -huh. I not? Yes. Okay. Yes. Even when I lose, I, I win. Mm. Even when I lose, <laughs> I win. All right, what look. happened, Dev? This is some... Yeah, thank you, Kevin. I appreciate you for just quickly... Transitioning out of that. Your pivot game is nice. Your pivot game is nice. Uh, what happened is he lost. Red O, what you sipping on? <laughs> First of all, I'm sipping on this uh, Cidre Stella Artois. Allegedly. It is the the cider for adults. It's delicious. Um, but what I'm really sipping on is our 10th episode. Um, I want to give shout out to our engineer extraordinaire. Rena, aka aka the boss of bosses. <laughs> you know she keeps our show running. She keeps us on our toes. Um, she's the glue on our shoe, as as someone else has called her. Uh, if your paperwork is, is in order in in LA, your ghetto pass is up to date. You can call her a hyphen. <laughs> I'm telling you. But I just wanted to give her a shout out, give her 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 props for for taking care of us. This is our tenth episode, and and we rolling, and and we we, we trust in her, so we'll keep it moving. Shout out to Rena, uh, Ambassador Devin. What you sipping on? <laughs> on that shirt? Uh, lean lean back yeah. a little bit so they can see the shirt. Pittsburgh. Shitsburg. Are you really a Ravens fan? Shitsburg. Man. Hey, yeah, you know what? I lost. What's I'll your wear father going to think about it? Devin, take pictures. I mean, Kevin, take pictures. Send it back home. <laughs> nah, fuck that. He, no one will see this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A lot um, of people will see this. What, I, what I'm sipping on, actually, is uh, fantasy football and specifically my fantasy team, which is absolutely shit this year. Mm. And real versus fantasy. Um, I actually drafted ODB first round, first pick. And he hasn't been – he's been absolutely dog shit this whole year mm -hmm. until he faced my Ravens, and he went absolutely bananas. And I still lost, and the Ravens lost. So, damn. Tough, just, that's a tough Sunday. Tough week. Yeah, tough week. I, you know, actually in another league, I'm actually – I think you're 0-4 in Mel's league, right? Uh, yes, 100%. I'm, I'm, I'm actually trying to go over, but not tanking. I'm, I want to see if that can happen. I'm 0-6. And and another, so I'm only in two this leagues. Is a, this I'm is the old. money league, right? Yeah, I, I just do, I made a donation. <laughs> yeah, he, he definitely made a donation. I'm in a money league too, but I'm I'm O of six as well. I I I made a gamble though in the draft and didn't pay off. Josh Gordon, Josh Gordon. Tom Tom Brady, and Le'Veon Bell, mm. and was like, I'm gonna be straight in week four. Won't he do it? Uh, Coach no. Joe, what you sipping on? Exactly. <laughs> he didn't do it. What you, you sipping on, Coach Joe? Um, and what I'm sipping on today is I want to give a big, big, special happy birthday to my guy, Snoop Dogg, Calvin, uh, the Godfather. Happy birthday, bro. He's the dog father um, in Baltimore. <laughs> listen, <laughs> hey, hey, real it's quick. That, it's that West I'm, Coast love right there, When I baby. moved to L.A., you know, uh, my, my, my second son, 
which he's a dog at playing running back. They had the opportunity to go go against uh, Snoop, and uh, it was an All Star game. Snoop All Stars versus uh, Ock Jeff All Stars, and uh, my son, which is is a man beast. Um, <laughs> he's definitely that. <laughs> in the first half, literally had four touchdowns for all, almost close to three hundred yards against Snoop's team. And it was so crazy. People was in the stands, on the sidelines, trying to stop the game because Snoop could absolutely not even hand the ball off. He was playing both offensively, defensively, killing the game. So I, I, I want to send a special shout-out to him because after that game, Snoop, they stopped it. It was the first time that Snoop has ever stopped that All-Star game at the half and said, we're not playing anymore. And he mm. took my son, and the next year put him on a platform – Snoop Football League is a great league. You know, forget about what them fucking haters say. The man gets five thumbs up to me. That's to walk. One, two, three, four, five. Snoop, big dog. Hey, keep doing what you do. Just know you still owe me. A hundred push-ups. Yeah. For yeah. when we whipped that ass that yeah. year. We all remember that. Yeah, you Steelers we do. Fan. We was all at the house. And I expect you here. On our show, when we play the Steelers, okay? And I will collect, bro. And that was definitely two thumbs. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) So real quick, uh, before before I throw it to uh, uh, Chef Curry for what he's sipping on, we are 13-2 and two in our Kenyan teases. We're rocking and rolling here. I got three more for you. This is what I'm definitely sipping on. Uh, the Pats are favored to win by seven, which is crazy, against the Steelers without Big Ben. You want to tease that down seven, just tease the Pats to win. Uh, Kansas City is also favored to win only by seven against the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Saints traveling on the road are trash. Uh, unless you play the San Diego Chargers. So tease that line down from seven to a win for Kansas City. And then um, I like a shootout in, in, in Detroit. Washington Redskins, Detroit Lions. The total is 48.5. Tease that down seven to 41.5. Put $100 down on the Pats to win, Kansas City to win, and the over in the Skins Lions with a seven-point tease. And, and uh, thank the league ambassadors later. Uh, I'm 13-2. and two. Let's, let's make it 16-2. and two. Uh, Kevin, what you sipping on? What up, what up? Glad to be back after my short hiatus. I was, uh, in a funk after my Ravens let me down, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) three weeks. I'm back. It's my fault, Kevin. Hey, it ends. The losing streak ends this week. Look, it's actually Devin's fault. Cause if he didn't invite, whatchamacallit. Yeah. (laughs) It's been, we've been in a slump <laughs> since then. Whatchamacallit. You know what I'm talking about. Everyone knows who I'm talking about. Whatchamacallit. But I haven't been back to Devin's house since then. So I'm, I'm going to be there this week, Dev. Okay? Dad. What you sipping on, Kevin? <laughs> I, um, if, if you guys will indulge me, I want to take you on a trip down memory lane back to episode two. When we all sat here and I believe Kenyon asked us to pick a playoff team from last year that we thought would struggle or have issues this year. And I stood right here with confidence and said the Pittsburgh Steelers simply because of the Sports Illustrated curse. And y'all sat there and called me a homer, which I am, but I believe in the voodoo. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, I believe in the voodoo. And what happened last week? Big Ben, tore his meniscus, out four to six weeks. The curse is real. What up, Les? Who's the backup quarterback? Landry trash. Trash. That wasn't even that wasn't even worth a question. <laughs> no, I was hoping Nobody. it was still Mike Vick. No. <laughs> At least it would have been interesting. Nobody. Junior Blue, what you sipping on? Well, if you remember episode three. Mm-mm. We just going back in time. It's the flashback episode. I talked about how who was the key player in that division? Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger. Because <laughs> yeah. He was going to get hurt. Would he play through it? What would happen? So now he's gone four to six weeks. What's that division look like at the end of that, let's say, five weeks? Let's split it. At the end of five weeks. You have Steelers four and two right now, Ravens three and three, Bengals two and four. I could care less what the Browns are. Yeah, yeah we're not going to worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> so what does the division look like after that? Did he say sp- split it? Yeah. Split it. <laughs> Some sort four, of four, variation split, of that. Four. Four in <laughs> six weeks. Let's mm-hmm. split it and say he'll be gone five. Okay. 
Communication yeah. is the key. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we've seen this story before with Ben. He gets hurt. He plays through it. it it's inevitable the way he plays. Um, I think the difference this year... Because I think you know, it's inevitable the way Indominica Sue plays, but that's another. <laughs> well, I, think, I, actually think, I think he heard it before. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, uh, but on, on the step Pittsburgh up. is putting um, something, uh, petitioning the league yeah. against Indominica yeah. Sue. So he was yeah. targeting. But, yeah. But this normally they you know they tough it out they'll they'll want they wind up splitting they win some tough games this year they don't have the same sort of uh, supporting cast outside of offense and they also don't have the luxury of having veteran quarterbacks like Charlie Batch Leftwich Michael Vick I all- think that's a very good point that normally they do have a Charlie Batch uh, even a Bruce Gradkowski yeah that could you know thug it out for you. Landry Jones is gonna that's gonna be a problem. <laughs> that's gonna I actually think it really benefits his injury, really benefits the Cincinnati Bengals. It gives them a chance because I think Pittsburgh was on a trajectory to kind of run away with the division. And I think that this injury stalls them out. It allows Baltimore to stay in the mix, but I think it really impacts the Cincinnati Bengals if they can turn it around starting this weekend going against Cleveland, which I actually think Cleveland might win that game, but um, <laughs> but I think that it allows them, you know, because now Pittsburgh doesn't run away with the division, and I think mm-hmm. coming down the stretch, it's going to be it'll be an interesting kind of three team race. I think that's the ramifications of it, though, is that Cincinnati has an opportunity if they can string some wins together. I mean, they they need offense, but if they can string some wins together, now they're back in the thick of the race, and now you've got a three team race win. When can we give a shout out to Mister Mister Dorsey? He's coaching them boys up. Hugh Jackson, he is coaching them boys up because they the talent disparity between them and other teams in the division, <laughs> and <laughs> they play hard. Like he's coaching, he should again. He should still be the Raiders coach, but he should be. But that that man <laughs> can, that man knows how to coach. And if you give that man some players, if they actually give him some players, watch out in that division. Kevin, in the next five weeks, what's Baltimore's record going to be? The next five weeks, man. The next five weeks, I would give us. Six and two, six and three. I'm, I'm sorry. So I'm here, sorry. talking about the total. <laughs> so here, the total record. The total record. Six, six and three, six and four. But I, I was actually going to ask Les um, what what he thought since he's so damn critical of our division all the time. I'm we, not. Uh, the Ravens have the Ravens have the Jets. Okay. By the Steelers, then Cleveland. The Steelers have the Patriots. A by Baltimore, then Dallas. And since he, as you mentioned, Kenyon has Cleveland, Washington, a bye, and then the Giants. So it. Where's that Washington game? Is that game home? It's at in home. Cincinnati. Yeah, I I, I think it benefits them. What's that? Uh, that Baltimore we don't know Pittsburgh who they game are yet, I mean, who? Cincy. I've been so up and down. I mean, I think that's we, who they are. I think that's who they are. I think yes. because they they're struggling without they that score. other receiver and without Tyler. <laughs> your, your best friend is back this week, though. Is he? Yeah, Eifert's back. Is Eifert back? Is Eifert or Eifert back? Is it, which Eifert. one's back? <laughs> which one's back? I bought into the uh, which, which one's back? <laughs> Omar, which one's back? Eifert. Eifert, Eifert. okay. Boo. Is that Nas with the Eifert? No. Yeah, because we, yeah, we don't know what Eifert can do. <laughs> we don't know if he's any good. <laughs> All right. But Eifert is back this week. Okay. Well, uh, let's get to it. I'm, I'm looking forward to our, our history discussion today. We've only got two more weeks of this. I mean, as we go forward, we're going to continue to talk a little bit about the history of a lot of the teams as we progress throughout the NFL season. But in terms of this NFL International Series, we have the Rams and the Giants on Sunday. And then next week, we conclude with the Washington Redskins and the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, and so today we're going to conclude as far as the, the Rams and the Giants are concerned. We started out by describing the history of the franchises in one word for the Rams. Uh, words like sham, transition, <laughs> temporary were thrown around. Uh, for the Giants, it was Roselle, uh, cocaine, um, and then a special word called uh, Dorsell. Uh, also, <laughs> also known as Keeps Duracell. going and going and going. Uh, and then last week, uh, our last show, we talked about, you know, pretty significant players in the history of the franchises. Emlyn Tunnel, uh, Lawrence Taylor, Deacon Jones, Merlin Olsen. And so we want to conclude it today having a discussion about coaches. Um, and so the question that I want to put to you guys for both franchises is uh, give me who you thought uh, is the best coach. 
uh, in the history of both the, the Los Angeles Rams and the New York Giants. We'll start with the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, they've had 26 head coaches in their franchise. The first one was a, a guy named Damon Wetzel uh, in 1936. But this is a franchise that's had uh, esteemed coaches like Sid Gilman and George Allen. Uh, and I will uh, start uh, with uh, you, uh, Kevin. Uh, who was your choice uh, for the uh, the best coach in the history of the Los Angeles Rams franchise? I went with Mr. John Robinson. Hmm. Okay. He, he was the longest tenured Rams coach. Yep. Like if you can stay with that franchise for what, <laughs> eight, eight, nine seasons, you're doing something. Uh, but, but hey, hey, there's Sham, right? You you said it. I did. You got to do something special to to stay there. Um, he was there from 1983 to 91. He had six winning seasons, six playoff seasons. Um, his winning percentage wasn't that great, but again, it's the Rams we're talking about here. He um, drafted Eric Dickerson, and he was somehow able to win one division title playing against the San Francisco 49ers twice a year. So. Right. He was the coach during their heyday. Yes, sir. You don't have anything else? That's it? Is that all you got for it? Oh, no. Yeah. I, I figured I figured other no. people wanted to... to they, they're your, <laughs> hey, they're y'all L.A. Rams. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. There's only What's, one L.A. Um, Ram not, fan here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Everybody's looking at you. Everyone's <laughs> looking at you. Not a way Adopt them. Why did, what, what stood out for John Robinson in, in, your, in your mind, uh, Kevin? Uh, well, consistency. I mean... First off, he, he, he stayed there. He, he lasted. He drafted Eric Dickerson. He helped him set that rookie re- uh, rushing record. He had uh, Kent Hill, Jack Slater to lead the way. I mean, a lot of times we see coaches who have talent that they don't use it correctly. Um, so to, to build a team around a talent like that, it, it may sound like it's common sense, but you know, he, he definitely stuck to it. Um, I would say he coached in 10 playoff games, only won four of them, but again, he played against the 49ers twice a year during that era. <laughs> he also got to the, he also got to an NFC Championship game, right? Got to two of them. He got to two um, of them. Lost to Omar's 85 Bears and I think the, the Niners in, in 89. Okay. Did okay. they score against the Bears? I don't believe anybody scored against the Bears. <laughs> that year. Except the Dolphins <laughs> last game of the season. Coach Joe, who did you have as your as your Rams coach? Uh, Mike Martz. Mike Martz. Whoa, yeah. really? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Um, uh, me personally, after looking at all the coaches, uh, I mean, even though he was there for about five years, right? You know, um, he has the the best winning percentage out of all the coaches at sixty percent. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, regular season, he went uh, fifty three and thirty two. Mm-hmm. Uh, postseason, he was three and four, uh, almost close to being at five uh, five hundred at forty three percent. And his career was at uh, fifty six and thirty six, which took him to sixty percent. He had two divisional titles, okay, and when he when he got there, Isaac Bruce, which had 21 receptions, went from having 21 receptions to having 119 the very next year with 1781 total yards mm-hmm. in 95, you know. And if it wasn't for Spygate, <laughs> he'd still be there. Mm-hmm. I mean, me personally, and, and, you know, you're talking about a guy from South Dakota, you know, there's no football in South Dakota. Mike Martz was from South Dakota. Yes, he's from there. Yeah. You know, uh, he, people think he's an L.A. guy because he went to, you know, college. I mean, in, in, in California. Um, he started coaching in California, mm-hmm. you know, but he was born in South, uh, South Dakota. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. So you give more credit because Mike Martz was uh, the offensive coordinator during their Super Bowl season mm-hmm. to Dick Vermeil. So you give more credit to Martz than Vermeil. For, for that success, because that basically he was the those two were the coaches during the greatest show on turf era. Yeah. So so pretty much. I mean, Dick Vermel, when he retired. Right. It was like he was handing it over to him. Right. You know, it was do just like, hey, uh, you're talking about um, I forgot his name, the quarterback that bad groceries. Oh. Kurt, Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner. Warner. Sorry, Kurt. Uh, but yeah, what, what Kurt Warner said in, in an article that I read that. He was the best office of mind genius he's ever been around. The mad scientist. You know, They're the both. stuff that he created, you know, it was like no defense can stop it because he had you two times fold. What He knew what you were going to do, so he had to set up for you to fail. 
Okay. You know, and not only uh, what's the guy Mark um, Bolger. Bolger. Yeah. He also had said the same thing. Mark <laughs> Bolger got a well, lot be, of money between yeah. him and Vermeil. <laughs> huh? Between um, Marts. Marts and Vermeil spoke again the word sham because <laughs> because Trent Green is the reason for their success. Rodney Harris. Because no, because he was sit because uh, uh Kurt was sitting on the bench. Okay. And the only reason why he got in is because Trent got hurt. Okay. So if you it bothers me when you're a coach and you obviously see these players play against each other, mm-hmm. that you see them play in practice. So he can't come in and just all of a sudden he's all world. They had to know that well, before Trent Brink got hurt. Omar, 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 Omar. Except his Omar. coaches. They see him practice Omar. every day. You listen, tell me they didn't know listen, he was a better quarterback? Omar, there's a thing called politics in football, brother. Okay. That's not that is and not an acceptable pl- answer to me. It is. It politics. has to be. It's well, politics. Look at look at because uh, winning Kaepernick. Look at Kaepernick. Well, I think it's, you know? I, I it's a think, bad example. Well, it, Kaepernick is not yeah, all world either. I don't know about that example, but but well, to Joe's point about money, point, because yeah. Trent Green was the guy. Trent Green was the guy that was paid. Yes. So yes, if it's going to play from an owner standpoint, if you're telling me that we need to invest sixty, seventy million dollars in this guy, then he better play. Yeah. Otherwise, people are losing their and job. He was proven, and Kurt was I, from nowhere. Yeah, and, so. and I say it's fortunate. If it wasn't from him getting hurt, Kurt would have never been exposed. As as a coach, do y'all think, no, and that's my point because if but that's Kurt, not a sham, if, no, that is a sham because they would have kept playing Trent Green. Okay, where were they would have went right. nowhere. Where, where were you going to say, Kevin? I'm going to ask y'all, Omar specifically, do you think the Rams would have been the greatest show on turf with Trent Green as a quarterback? No, that's my point. <laughs> so then, it, so then, in your mind, in your mind, then it, it's a knock against a Mike March. And a Vermeil. And a, and a Vermeil. Because, it, again, it's you pay to play the best players. I, I hate that politics are involved. I, I do get the fact that politics are involved. I hate that politics are involved, though, because he's getting his money, so he needs to play. But if he's not the best one, why play him? Because you play to win the game. So who was your coach? As, oh, hold on, Les. What were you going to say? As a coach, Joe, mm-hmm. have you ever seen a player that in practice was – lazy or didn't look as good you put him in the game and all of a sudden he's good <laughs> have Chicago. you seen that i've i've seen that i've, I've given uh, birth to that. that i've given more than listen, one <laughs> listen my years of coaching okay and just being around the game uh playing the game i've i've played with a guy that was the laziest dude in the world played for texas and when i played juco football uh he had 20 Six sacks in a season, and he didn't lift weights. He hated running, and it was it was just a light switch. You got those dudes. You have those dudes that just they step up and the lights turn on and they turn on. And throughout the week, they're the laziest motherfuckers in the world, (laughs) you know. But you accept them for who they are as long as when the lights turn on, (laughs) they do what they do, which is politics. Which is the politics. But for all intents and purposes, you know those players, like. You know those players. No one has ever said that about the grocery bagger. Nobody's ever said he wanted to play. He wanted to win. You can't just step all of a sudden become a leader of men. I don't you know. They, I don't know if they actually all knew that. What, what do you mean? That's what the, the second string quarterback does. The second string quarterback, when the first string quarterback gets hurt, his job is to step up and become the leader of men. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay, so I'm talking you? about you get a look at each player, right? When y'all practicing and each player, you know who steps it up during games. You know who is the person who's lazy during practice. You know that, right? Right. But I would but quarterback then, position is different. Yeah, but the thing about that though is reps, which yeah. again, yeah. reps like the starting quarterback is getting all, all of the, the practice reps. reps. So sometimes you are not afforded as a coach the opportunity to really see what a second string guy has until, until they're thrust time. into into right. the situation until they're tossed into the fire. That's that. what yeah. I say. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, who do you have? Who do you, who was your who was your who was your coach, Omar? Chuck Knox. Chuck Knox. I had Chuck Knox as well. I think Devin also yeah. had Chuck Knox. I talk mean, about if, him. If you guys want to talk about his stats, I'll let you guys do it because it's the Rams <laughs> and it's a sham. Um, I I mean Chuck Knox was there for a while, so 
Um, he, he actually did. had two terms. Yeah. His, well, I'm going to go off his first term. Yeah. <laughs> the second, <laughs> second term wasn't too good. Second <laughs> term wasn't too good. We can't go off, off his first. All of it. He was in and out. Because he should have never been brought back in the first place. But whatever. He shouldn't have left in the first place. He shouldn't have left in the first place. It wasn't his fault. Racist. Mr. Rosenblum. Keep going, Omar. The... The thing about when you you delve into his history is the love his players have for him. Mm. Um, Dolomite. His players often say, you know, on different occasions, this man taught us how to be winners on the field and off the field. Mm -hmm. There were players who felt like this man was a father figure to them. And to me, that is what a leader of men is mm-hmm. to make people want to follow you. His quote, his quotes are amazing for one thing. The man, the man, you know, he was the type of person that said, uh, I think one was the difference between a champ and a chump is you. When he was talking, <laughs> <laughs> he was talking to a player, wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was also the, a man's man. Um, after one loss the, on uh, on Sunday, he came in for a meeting on um, my, in mon- Monday morning. Cuts on his face, bruises. The whole whole team is silent because he he looked like he got beat up. Mm-hmm. So he walks in and he gets he walks up to the podium and he says, "If you think I look bad, you should see the three people I fought." Mm-hmm. So everybody cuts up, they laughing. He was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah," but y'all still play like shit laughing. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get this shit corrected. Yeah. Like he knew how to get men to follow him. Okay, you know, he was a motivator. He was a motivator. Devin, what you what stood out for you about Mister Knox? Well, a lot of those guys kind of fell in the same similar category because um, aside from, like, Vermeil, no one really had much success with with terms of uh, championships and things of that nature. Right. So I chose him because he had the highest winning percentage, uh, actually, uh, in the first stint. (laughs) (laughs) You were actually correct, Joe. In the first stint. We're not counting the second stint. We're not counting that shit. Um. And it was still second overall, right? To be fair, right? But yes, <laughs> right. right. Oh, wait, wait. I was Less, still correct. Though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's say any ain't. What was George Allen's winning percentage? Uh, seven twenty nine. Oh, got about that. Okay. So keep on going. Keep on yeah. going. Chuck. <laughs> we're, still talking, Chuck. we're still talking about yeah, the uh, the, fir- the, uh, the first the first thing. But to me, what what stood You're out right. is the fact that. He was only there for five seasons. Right. He won the NFC West all five times. That's right. Um, five playoff appearances. Right. And did it with five different starting and quarterbacks. five different starting quarterbacks. Yes, that and was the thing that stood out. And he was out. also the first uh, coach to have a full-time starting uh, African-American. James Harris, shout out to you. Yes, sir. Yeah. You on the Emlyn Tunnel all-star team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's, hey, hashtag Emlyn Tunnel. Ha- yes. Let's get that going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mr. Bill Cottrell as well. So he's not, not necessarily a Ram, but... But Chuck, he got his start. He was an offensive line coach. Uh, think of um, uh, uh, Tony Sperano type. Also, uh, oh, man, his name escapes me. But the zone-blocking offensive line oh, coach. Kubiak? Kubiak, yeah. No, not Kubiak, the offensive line coach. Um, it'll, it'll come back to me. But anyway, he, that's where he got his start under Weeb Eubank for that New York, New York Jets championship team. That's the Joe Namath team. Um, and he actually employed the first African-American center. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill Cottrell said that, you know, in, back in his day, you had no black quarterbacks, no black middle linebackers, and no black centers. Mm-hmm. So this was, Mr. Knox was a progressive individual. So the whole middle of the field was just white. Exactly. <laughs> we're, well, we're, a white let, let's, let's call it, it's the, the stigmatism is that's where all the brain's the brain, on the, the field. The brain position. Exactly, yeah. the brain positions. The middle mm-hmm. linebacker, which is the quarterback of the defense, the quarterback, and then the center. The center. Who makes the line calls. And so... Uh, he was progressive in that regard. Everybody didn't like that, though, did they? No, they did not. Mr. Rosenblum was definitely one of them. Uh, I made the joke earlier about Dolomite because that's what <laughs> all of the black players in the 70s called Mr. Knox. They called him Dolomite because <laughs> he was seen as a guy who really looked out for African-American players. Um, but, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right about that. that's the thing. I think he was just a guy. He was a man who understood he wanted to win. And it's not about color. It's not about race. It's right. about who's the best player. Right, right. Yeah. He was also he was also a man that couldn't beat the Cowboys or the Vikings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're they're all. Well, he was. Well, the thing is, is that he was. You know, Devin made the point about him having five different starting quarterbacks. He was known as Ground Chuck. Yeah. So he had a heavy emphasis on the run game. 
Um, and the defense was good. It's one of those things where, you know, that was definitely during the fearsome foursome era. The defense was good. But I don't think in terms of the, the ingenuity or creativity offensively, that's what didn't allow them to break through. But he, he had success with the Rams and really, as we said earlier, should not have left and had to have come back. He should yeah. have stayed as the Rams coach. But yeah. there was definitely some dissension. Along. Yeah. Uh, um, I know. For whatever reason, he didn't want to pull, you know, Pat Hayden from that Mud Bowl game. Yep. Because they wanted to set that Hollywood ending up. They for, wanted for Joe Holly- Namath for Mr. Namath. And he said, nah. And yeah. then Rosenblum, he got winded. It was going to be the end, but he booked out of there and went to Buffalo and before he Can I get one more quote in? <laughs> yes. He, one of his players, when they were on a, um, they traveled away, one of his players had a girl in that city. Um, I don't know what city it was. But he was, you know, they his players thought they can talk to him, so he tells them, you know, trying to negotiate the curfew because <laughs> you have to when you're on the road, you have to be right. in at a certain time. And he's like, "No, I, I I like this girl. I just just trying to get some extra time." He said, "If it ain't lined with gold, <laughs> you better be." <laughs> <in>. <laughs> <laughs> he was awesome. And on that note, <laughs> Junior Blue, you talked about George Allen. I suspect that that was who you had as your as your coach. That is. He is a legendary NFL head coach, one of the greatest NFL coaches of all time. What was his winning percentage? 729. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just checking. 71%. <laughs> Talk about Mr. Allen with the Rams. Okay. This is this is the thing. We all knew about the fearsome foursome. Right. They were Dominant as a as a front line, but they didn't win. It took him getting there, and in his first three years, he turned them into a winning team. They hadn't they hadn't had a winning record in eight years before he got there. They hadn't gone to the playoffs till twelve years before they got before he got there. Um, he had a problem with ownership too. His fiery attitude caused them issues. Yeah, and they were they wanted to fire him. What really set him apart to me. Mm-hmm. is when they fired him. They actually fired him. What set it apart was 38 out of 40 players on the roster Yes, said we want to retire or get traded if he isn't reinstated as the coach. Now, if that's not a leader of men, I don't know what is. And that, that's one of the things that really stuck with me. Not, mm-hmm. only the fact, not only the fact that he won and he brought winning back to the Rams, he didn't have much playoff success, but he did. He he won in the regular season better than anybody had done yeah. in the past. Yeah, that was that was pivotal. And he brought two a days to the Rams. He did something they weren't they weren't used to. He emphasized special teams, something that we see now, especially with someone like Belichick, who was always talking about there's three phases of the game. Before special teams wasn't that big. Now it is. Yeah. That I the only reason why I I didn't choose because George Allen when he was my backup the only reason why I didn't choose him was because, um, you know the 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 sustained success that Knox had, um, but George Allen definitely that the the press conference and them really standing up for right. that was that was huge. I mean that's the leader of a man. That's what you want in a coach. The thing that's really interesting, man, looking at the history of these teams is that. These owners were something else. Yeah, that's what I keep coming these across. These owners that's the were, reoccurring thing. Yes, that these <laughs> owners were crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, Is it that much different now, though? No. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> well, I think, well, I, actually, I, I, I do think it's a little bit different. I think outside of Jerry Jones, mm. um, Jerry Jones is really the <laughs> only one that I can think of that, like, oversteps his boundaries. You know, I think the rest of them now, they're, because there's so much money that they're making. Well, I think, I think when I said, when I was talking about, when I said, agree with you about the owners being different, and I was saying, <clears> yeah, I'm just, there's a mentality of billionaires. You know, there's a different mentality. There's a reason why they're billionaires. Yeah. Yeah. But that that means they're not like everybody else. Daniel Snyder would be, I think Daniel Snyder would be the the, uh, the other one. I think Jerry Jones and Jerry Snyder are the, they are owners. He's clueless. He he knows exactly what he's doing. They're just just megalomaniacs. I really think they're, yeah, they don't care. They're megalomaniacs. You have to have sociopathic tendencies to get that far, man. Sometimes you just can't care. A lot of them, though, they they stay out of the way compared to the owners. And I think also what has a lot to do with it is a lot of those owners were founded of teams and they actually played 
football. Yeah, back then, yes. You understand yeah, what I'm saying? And different. I think the guys now are more, they're more business owners. They made their money elsewhere, but they realized NFL was super yeah, lucrative. Edge fund guys. Exactly. Yeah. So they can they can, they can can stay away like from Paul it. Like Paul Brown a couple weeks ago. Exactly. How he was salty and created a whole Ed. other organization because he got fired. <laughs> <laughs> but that's bananas, though. Yeah, right. He was Imagine like, okay, that happened now. I'll start my own well, team. No one's do doing it that. Yeah, it costs too much. Exactly. <laughs> so we'll, we'll move on to the New York Giants. Huh? Go. Oh, no, I was just going to say, we talked about it briefly on the show before, about how it's more about money than winning. You look at the Cowboys, their lack of playoff success, but they're worth four, five billion dollars. Yeah. Because he built that but stadium I, on I would, his own. I'd take that over a Super Bowl any day. Yeah, <laughs> but Jer- but the thing is, is Jerry, what we're saying, you know, the thing is, is Jerry's acting as if they are winning Super Bowls, you know, and it's just like, you know, fall back. Um, <laughs> what's the score? We, we, we're, we're, we're shooting 20, this right now. During, nobody 10. has to say anything. Let's just keep going. Somebody asked me to. The game's oh, no. over, right? It's twenty six ten. Okay, we'll no. move on to the uh, we'll move on to the New York Giants. Uh, <laughs> they've had uh, seventeen head coaches, and and another thing that stood out to me in in really looking at some of these franchises is that if you want to look at the successful franchises, uh, they don't have as many head coaches. As the terrible ones, you know. Right. So the Rams, the Rams, twenty six head coaches. The despicable ones. The despicable ones. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, but the Giants, who have been around at least 15, 20 years longer than the Rams organization, yeah. only has seventeen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bob Folwell was their first coach in nineteen twenty six, and I know that with the guys, uh, like five of you chose Parcells. So before we talk about. Coach Bill Parcells, uh, I'll throw it to you, Junior Blue, because you didn't go the Parcells route, and I didn't go the Parcells route. But talk about uh, Steve Owens. That was your choice. Mm-hmm. Well, and, I, and we'll set I it up and make it interesting. I, I was I think, Steve. Oh, Owens. you were Steve Owens. I went Steve Owens. Oh, you're yeah, Parcells. I'm Parcells. Okay, well, you stay right. right there. Stand corrected. And this is going. I did. I stand corrected. <laughs> and this is and and we're gonna make this real fiery because Omar doesn't know any other way. <laughs> When you're talking about Steve Owens, Omar, I want you to talk about why you chose him over Parcells. <laughs> Fireworks now! <laughs> and since I like to go rogue, I'm going to be real calm. <laughs> Actually, I faked you out. My real coach is Benny Friedman, best coach of Giants history. He's a thousand percent. Hasn't lost a game. How many games did he coach, Omar? Two. Oh, two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wait, wait. And guess what? He was the co-head coach <laughs> with Steve Owen. <laughs> he doesn't a minute him out. A minute him out. A minute him out. <laughs> Greatest coach of all time. Nothing can stop me. I'm all the way up. <laughs> Undefeated. Oh, man. <laughs> no, but Mr. 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 Steve Owen, the reason why I did pick him over, over Parcells um, – was actually because of a historical standpoint. Okay. He was what the 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 Giants were built on. He he, he when they fired him there's very few times in any sports his, in any franchise history where a owner was was he said um Wellington Mara, he said when I fired him it was like telling my father he had to get out his own house. Mm. mm. He was a he was he was a staple of the organization. The, his quote was the rock that the Giants yeah. were built on. Twenty three years, twenty three years yeah. with one organization. Yep. Um, and and earlier we, me and you had a conversation about coaches staying and how long they who's the most tenured coach right now mm-hmm. because that's a rare thing to be somewhere for ten years. Mm-hmm. Yep. Fifteen years. Yep. Twenty years. Let alone twenty three years. Yep. Um, he started out as a, he was a player coach actually, which is really team. rare. And I, mm-hmm. I want to say he was 33 when he became head coach. Yeah. So he was super young as a head coach. Right. You know, so he grew into an older cat <laughs> by the time they fired him, but he was a young cat. Right. Um, the, the, in the, um, the organization believed him in him so much that, uh, what's Wellington's dad name? I think Tim Timmar. Timmar, when when he started losing, Tim said, one thing we know is it's not his fault. We're not getting him good enough players. <laughs> wow. If your organization believes in you that much, That's I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm going to assume they've never said that about any other coach they have. Yeah. And he was, 
it's funny because he was almost an oxymoron. He was considered to um he was considered to be uh what do you call that? Not he, he wasn't uh he was considered to be unimaginative. But actually he was innovative. Mm-hmm. He was the first coach to actually focus on defense. Mm-hmm. No coach before him did that. Mm-hmm. He was the first coach to actually focus on getting short points and, and kicking field goals instead of trying to go for fourth down and throw a throw a, trying to uh, if you're in range to get an to uh, score a touchdown. Mm-hmm. He was the one who started kicking field goals instead of just trying to throw it and then turn the ball over. Could have used that shit the last couple weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Dude. You, you wouldn't be. Sorry. You wouldn't be wearing that shirt right now. Wow. Okay. I, wait, no, hey, I'm not Touché. even done. So, I mean, but that was awesome. Um, so he um, he was the creator of the umbrella defense. Yeah. Which uh, which we talked about last week, Coach Joe. Yes, sir. Real quick, umbrella defense in ten seconds. It's the cloud, right? Yeah, okay. Cloud coverage, okay. yeah. yeah I, cloud I, I, coverage. Sorry, we, we went back about 70 years. <laughs> 70 years. <laughs> <laughs> the cloud coverage, talk about it. Yeah, so um, pretty much when uh, when the defense is running the cloud, is they're probably trying on the backside and running man-to-man to shut down one receiver. Right. And they're doubling or coveraging over top of number one receiver to, to keep him from getting either something deep mm-hmm. or something short underneath. So it's just zone one side. Um and man the opposite and man side. the opposite yeah, side. So you know that's usually when when someone calls it cloud, they're 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 cloud on one side of the feet. And seventy years prior to that, it was called the umbrella. <laughs> George Hallis message um, the the legendary, the great George Hallis. <laughs> um, said he said what he said about Mr. Owens. He said Steve was the first to stress the importance of defense and the advantage of settling for field goals instead of touchdowns. Every team strives today to do what Owens was doing 20 years ago. And so the defensive maestro that you guys all have identified as the best coach for for the New York Giants was Mr. Bill Parcells. Uh, Let's start the conversation off about Parcells and why you felt like he was your choice. I mean, his his numbers were great. I mean, I'm sure the rest will get to him. But the thing that got me most about him was his first year – he benched Phil Sims. Yep. And had a horrible year. They were about to fire him and hire the Miami Hurricanes coach, um, Howard Schnellenberger. 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 Schnellenberger says, no, I don't want that job. So Parcells, the big tuna, is able to keep his job. And without that, if Schnellenberger takes the job, we don't have the New York Giants as we know them. Right. And I'm sure. I mean, what's the his numbers, numbers speaks Joe? for himself. Uh, numbers on Parcells. Um, um, first of all, he was in New York for eight seasons. Yes. Okay. The first four seasons, like Les says, was just h- horrible. Mm-hmm. You know, and the ten years before he got there, they didn't win. They they were they didn't make a postseason in ten years. Yep. So you know, it, his numbers uh, was one seventy two, one one thirty, eleven and eight. I think those were his overall numbers mm-hmm. all, all together, but. Uh, a big chunk of that, those numbers came from when he was in his eight seasons with uh, with New York. Seventy-seven two, and forty-nine. Seventy-seven, forty-nine. Two Super Bowl uh, championships. Right. Uh, when he made the AFC champion, I mean the uh, NFC championship game, what five times? NFC. Uh, NFC. Five times. Yeah. yeah, yeah NFC yeah. championship five times. Okay. So you know, you know, he 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 almost got cut. But at the last second, made that stride run to the finish line, and, and, and that's why I choose. That's why I chose um, Bill Barcells because you know he he's just that guy that he doesn't give a fuck. It's my way <laughs> or the highway, and you can fire me if you want. And that's what stood out for you, right, Devin? Yeah, perfect was that? segue. Yeah. I mean, the way that he decided to run his his organization, his team. Um, he was a dictator. Um, he was a disciplinarian, and he was like, "Get it or get down or lay down." <laughs> um, so, B. was that get down or lay down? B. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, like he demanded that from his his players. He demanded that from everyone. Everyone needed to be in one accord. Everyone could follow that. Mm. He was a great motivator as well. Right. Um, he 
he would tweak people like he was particularly Lawrence Taylor. Yeah, and I've you know, there's a Lawrence Taylor story where um, they were in the playoffs. I believe it was I want to say like '89 or something like that, and they were they were playing uh, the Rams, mm-hmm. ironically, and he put a plane ticket on LT's <laughs> stool. <laughs> Ah! And LT said, well, what's this for? He said, uh, I need you to go to New Orleans um, and bring back uh, Pat Swilling um, because Irv Pankey, who's the, uh, the tackle for the Rams, has been murdering you all year, and Swilling been getting that bread. <laughs> <laughs> so he got LT mad. LT came back and had two sacks that game. Right. So he was able to tweak people in that sense. And, and I think with the way that he went about his business, with the success that he had, he – actually kind of paved the way for others to try and mimic that and i think it's kind of changed the course of how the the last decade and a half has gone in nfl because one of his big disciples is belichick and belichick has that sort of kind of gravitas and the way he goes about things as well kevin you 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 like parcells as well huh i did i went with mr Dwayne charles primarily because he has a brother's name um <laughs> 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 Charles Parcells, um, but more to piggyback off of, uh, of, of what Joe said. I went. <laughs> Good Lord. Well, can Jesus. y'all laugh? I can't. Yo, you are too yeah. light skinned. He's, uh, he's got a brother's name. I'm sorry, Kev. Go. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry. Um, I, I went with him primarily because of reasons that Joe mentioned out what he did for the franchise. So, um, where did Bill actually come the, from? The 20 years. What was that? Sorry. Go ahead. <clears throat> I was going to say that the previous 20 years, they had only made one playoff uh, appearance. So yeah. Parcells came, was able to change the culture. Um, you know, he, he implemented the, the 3-4 defense, which, you know, brought up the, um, the the big blue wrecking crew. Devin mentioned Lawrence Taylor, uh, Carl Banks. The crunch Bunch. Harry, Leonard Marshall. I mean, yeah. they, the, the defense was at cornerstone. Um, it, one thing I, I, also, I also pointed out that I thought was interesting was that the Giants actually hired Bar- uh, Parcells as a um, as a defensive coordinator in '79. Mm-hmm. Well, he ended up back up the job to do like land development in Colorado yeah. for a year, and he actually said that that was the the, the worst year of his life, <laughs> most mi- most miserable year of his life. So in '80, he came back with the Giants as a as a linebackers coach, and, and that's when he implemented those changes. And, so and just real quick, just yep. to jump in and, and piggyback on what you said, one of the reasons why he did that is because he was he was at a point in his career where he was trying to be a head coach, mm-hmm. and no one would hire him as a head coach. Mm-hmm. So he was like, fuck football. You know, I'm going to take this off. And he realized, well, shit, I love football. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're talking about Wichita State, Army, Florida State, Vanderbilt, Texas Tech, Air Force, Giants year one, Gi- Patriots, Giants again, Patriots, Jets, Dallas. I mean, this guy's been around. Yeah. You know, and was a so. consultant for a few teams, and in fact, still is even even yeah. to this day. He he does love the game. The question I would put out to you guys, real quick, because um, you know I looked at this, and my guy was Tom Coughlin. We don't have a lot of time to talk about it, but he had the same amount of winning seasons as Bill Parcells. He had much inferior talent. He won two Super Bowls, fifty-seven Pro Bowl players is all he had. He has an eight-three playoff record, which is the same playoff record as Bill Parcells. I'm trying to figure out. And he coached longer, coached the Giants longer than Parcells. Twelve years. What's the what? What's the what's the what's the tipping point in Parcells' favor? Because I mean, I well, Parcells didn't have as long a tenure. Yeah, he's going to have the more wins, but that winning percentage. I mean, it was feast or famine for Coughlin. Either they went to the ship and won it, or it was they didn't. And that's and and that's why I make the point. And that, but that's why I make the point about he didn't have the same sort of talent that Parcells had. And and if we're judging it by Super Bowls, Super Bowls is the measure. He he got the same amount of Super Bowls as as Parcells does. Well, who said we was judging it by Super Bowls? Well, I mean that is the ultimate measure Coach. of success, right? In football. Well, what are you I gonna mean, say, Kevin? So, no, I was gonna say. No, I agree. They, they each have two Super Bowl wins, but the the difference for me is consistency on on Parcells' behalf. Uh, they all they both beat dominant teams to to win their championships. Um, and I'll see what you think about this. But in '86, they beat. Your 49ers, they smashed your 49ers, 49-3. They shut out Washington Redskins. Feels personal. And then they beat John Elway and the Denver Broncos in the Super Bowl. That's a a great run. Yes. Great championship. Well, to piggyback off of that, their 90s run, 
They stopped the 49ers again from three-peating, which yeah. would have been the first time that ever occurred in, in the Super Bowl history. And they actually ended uh, Montana's career in that game for the 49ers. Yeah. They played for them again. They never played for them again, yeah. Was Leonard Marshall, I think, with that Yes, hit? that and was then Mr. They, Marshall. The game plan that they had against the Bills in Super Bowl twenty five was Thanks. amazing. The, to run the ball, uh, the defensive game plan that um, Belichick had is actually – the game plan itself is in the Hall of Fame. I want to say the time of possession was like 41 minutes to 19. Yeah, Take the crazy. air out. Yeah. Hey, what he are used, they, um, he used the K-gun against them. I what are their winning, uh, winning totals? Uh, Super Bowls? No, winning totals, period. As uh, far as how many wins? Coaches, yeah. Coughlin has 102 wins. I think as a Giants, Parcells had like 77. 77. Yeah. 77. Yeah. But Coughlin yeah. also had four more. But it's cool. Huh? He also had four years extended that he shouldn't have. I mean, the Super his. Both he was done. He was on both, the high seat. Yeah, a lot of years. both the, the years he won the Super Bowl, it, he it was, was about, it was yeah. about to get rid of him. That's what I said. And if he didn't win, he wouldn't have got them extra years. Yeah, you know. Okay, and Ken, do you huh? think you, you picked Coughlin? I did. We talked about the between the, the prototype and the successor. Coughlin came from Bill Parcells' ridiculous coaching tree. Mm-hmm. A little further down mm-hmm. the line, but you look at the guys that you know he he was able to put in positions to win. I think you, you can put guys on. I think that's another important part of, of a coach's success. <laughs> yeah, I think I think though I think the, the notion of Preach, the notion the notion of coaching tree and who came from whose coaching tree, I think it's I think there's a lot of there's a lot of information that's put out there, but the truth of the matter is is that Tom Coughlin had two jobs prior to actually working with Bill Parcells on that New York Giants squad. Um, he was a receivers coach under Forrest Gregg, and I forget the name of the other coach, but with the Philadelphia Eagles. And then he became a receivers coach under Parcells, and that was only for one year or two years maybe, and then he became the head coach over at Boston College. Um, I think that he, Bill Parcells gets a lot of credit for coaches because that staff was a good staff, um, and he definitely is a mentor. He definitely is a guy who has mentored a lot of coaches, but the philosophy and the influence, I think, is a bit overstated. Um, and he gets more credit than I think he should. And in my opinion, actually, when you look at the when you look at examine the relationship between Belichick and uh, and Parcells and why he left that Jets, left him hanging with the Jets gig. I think it reinforces a lot of ideas in that Parcells, his his role was a little bit overblown, a little bit overstated, I think. Well, when you talk about coaching trees and you talk about who they first had jobs with, um, I I don't think that's always the, the, the case for influence. I mean, uh, you talk about how Belichick was under you know, a couple of different jobs prior to that, but he wasn't a coordinator until he was under Parcells. He had five different jobs. But Yeah, but he was a, a position coach. He wasn't actually a coordinator, and he was under Parcells for three different stints. Yeah, because he did. He was good in the first. He was good. Right. He was good in his job with the Giants, which that's another thing, and and why I I put a point towards Coughlin. You know, I mean, it, it's not hard to coach a defense that has the greatest defensive player of all time. That literally changed the game. I mean, that's going to make your job easier. But it sets uh, him up for his future, as far as coaching. Mm-hmm. You know, being under Parcells and 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 learning from the the success he's had, it sets him up mm-hmm. to be successful. Emlyn Tunnel. <laughs> what? Steve what? Owens. Hey, I, Steve Owens made Emlyn Tunnel. Y'all can talk about all them all you want. Steve Owens made Emlyn Tunnel. What the we hell do, are you <laughs> talking about? I'm talking about Giants coaches. I still believe <laughs> Steve Owens. No, you can shut the fuck up. Let's go. Steve Owens. Next. What are we gonna say, Kevin? Next question. No, I, Steve to, to Owens. Though, I don't think you could. You can use Lawrence Taylor's greatness against Parcells because, and Joe, you can speak to this. How many times has a coach had a great player? They may have had some problems mentally and <laughs> may you know, around this area. <laughs> what you mean may have? <laughs> but Kevin, what, I, what and he, I've he never had a coke problem, Kevin. As opposed to as opposed to holding it back, I think that's a testament to, to Parcells' greatness. I got that to use. A, I'm going to use a word from Omar. It's called transcendent. <laughs> Lawrence Taylor was a transcendent player. Uh, let's a, great among greats. Let's talk. Let's let's talk about the games this week, um, and we'll start with the Rams and the Giants. Uh, both teams are at Twickenham Stadium this Sunday. Uh, they're at three and three. The Rams started out winning three of their first four. They've lost two in a row. They listened to our uh, podcast and heard, <laughs> heard what was up with our picks and came back home. The Giants are, are three and three, and but the interesting thing about them is, with the exception of their Monday Night Football blowout, 
Um, all of their games have been decided by seven points or less. Uh, the Baltimore boys got a chance to look at them up close and personal this Sunday. Um, all of us picked the Giants except for Coach Joe. Coach Joe picked the Rams. And so now this is where we get to hear what Pete Prisco, I mean, Coach Joe, <laughs> oh. thinks about Pete Prisco. Like, Who's that? <laughs> I just look at the URL. <laughs> Y'all are funny. Why the Rams are going to win? It's only funny because on. he knew what she was talking about. <laughs> but once again, I dodged a bullet. Hmm. Okay. I, I, come on, I don't come lose. On, come on. Why, why the, I will take the, the, why, the Why the Rams? Why are the Rams going to win, Joe? Come on, Pete. Because we all, you know. <laughs> um, the Rams will win because uh, they're the home favorite. They're in London. <laughs> Listen to what I'm saying, but they're the We're home listening. team. Kevin, your face. Okay, is they're the home team <laughs> in London. The, okay. Let's go. So they right? get to wear the dark yes, jerseys. Yes, they get to wear their dark jerseys. <laughs> this is the voodoo. I'm okay, <laughs> this is the voodoo. Oh shit. Okay, the voodoo does work sometimes. All the times. Not this week. Yes, and 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 I, and I just believe Todd Gurley's going to go off. You know, uh, uh, he has. Man, a, listen, <laughs> Todd Gurley got to do week. something, man. Yeah. Two point nine yards a carry. Yeah. I think this is the week he, he blasts out. I mean, the defenses he's been playing before has really been uh, run-stoppers defense. This defense, I don't think. Um, None of that had a problem last year. We talked about it on – was that episode one yeah. we talked about it? That he LA, ran through L.A. lifestyle. Do you realize Not, he's had 100-yard rushing game in the last 15 games? Yeah, because he has to get his shit together. Well, there's also 15 in the box because no one's scared of anyone else. Exactly. They were scared of Kenny Brick. Case, but, well, but, yeah, Case Kingdom right. had a monster game. Yeah. yeah, but hear me out. Tavon had a good game Kenny the last Brick's two on weeks. my fantasy team. Okay, <laughs> and, you know, like I said, you, it, it's time for him to step up. It's week 10. Um it's week, week seven, week but seven, it's our it's our week ten. That's <laughs> 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 all right. Hold on a second. <laughs> we gonna cut the mic. Yeah. <laughs> we gonna cut the mic. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let me finish that real quick. Yeah, it's week seven, our week ten. But hey, fantasy. F- <laughs> Oh, girl, baby. <laughs> All right. Omar is down officially. Is He's gone. not even on the mic anymore. His spot is open. Seahawks, Seahawks 4-1 and one versus the Cardinals was another game I had lined up. Uh, the Seahawks are one missed pass interference away from being 3-2. and two. Uh, And they also helped me lose. Uh, I, had, I had Atlanta, and they almost pulled it off. Um, and the Cardinals are coming off of a Monday night uh, thrashing of the Jets. Uh, an interesting fact about this game is that the Cardinals are, I'm sorry, the Seahawks are actually 3-0 and on the road against Arizona under the Bruce Arians regime. That's a bit misleading because the starting quarterback for one game was Ryan Lindley. Just Google him. Yeah. And then, uh, and then the, there was a second game. They played Week 16, and Carlson Palmer only played uh, uh, one half. Um, Kevin and Joe, you guys both have the Seahawks. Uh, we gave Joe the mic, and we saw what happened. Kevin, <laughs> why did you? Give it back. <laughs> no. Kevin, Seahawks. Talk to us Joe. about the Seahawks. Um, I'm, I'm picking Seattle. I think it's going to be a close one, but they're at home, prime time. Who's at home? Cardinals at home. <laughs> Shit. It's like a virus is spreading. Don't blame me. It's, it's the voodoo. Don't blame me. Light it's skin. The it's Light like skin. A, don't blame it's me. It's like a virus is spreading. Okay, Devin. Devin, why are the Cardinals going to win? Kevin, you're done. Almost Kevin, you're crying. done. Okay, all right. Why are the Cardinals going to win, Devin? I think the Cardinals have a little, you a, bit more, a little bit more punch on offense. Seahawks um, kind of banged up, especially with Russell. He hasn't been playing that well. They, they, they haven't looked sharp this year. Right. Um, four and one, though. That kick they are. They are. Oh Joe. Uh, actually, that somebody else said that today, too. But um, I picked them Shit. for those reasons, and I picked them to actually win the division. So I think it starts here. I think they split this year at home. Okay. Les. And you, future on that ass. Les, you got the Cardinals. I had the Cardinals. They're at home. Like you said, with that knee and ankle injury, Russ not playing right. Um, it'll be close, but I had the Cardinals. I'm looking forward to that game. That's a, yeah. that's a, that's a good Sunday night matchup. I had C- Seahawks. Yes, Jack. <laughs> we know. Seahawks. In, in London? Yeah. No, they're not playing in London. 
the final the final game Arizona, Kevin. The final game we want to talk about is the Texans versus the Broncos, aka the Brock's Brock's Brock Eisweiler reunion game. Is Eford there? Uh Eford is not there. <laughs> Eisweiler is though. Uh, I am actually the lone wolf on this. I chose the Texans. I was back and forth. I had chose the Texans at first. Yeah. But then I uh Backspace. Yeah. <laughs> backspace. <laughs> I um all types of backspace. Uh, the, the, five times backspace. The last two the last two weeks, and I you know, granted Gary Kubiak wasn't there last week, but the last two weeks the quarterback play hasn't been sound. I look for Brock Eisweiler. Uh there was definitely some uh it was an acrimonious split. And I'm, he's not going to be overwhelmed by being in Denver. He's accustomed to that environment. And I trust that the game plan Bill O'Brien is going to devise, which the NFL is a copycat lead. So it's going to be a situation where they're going to make those linebackers cover. Uh, so you got Lamar Miller. Mm. They're going to cut, they have to deal with him in coverage. Um, a lot of short passing. Osweiler really wants to win this game, and I look for him. Which is why I, I'm going the other way, because I think it's going to be too much for him. He might be trying to prove a point. And that also, defense is still good. And yeah. also, the defense, if anything, there's more motivation from the Denver's defense, which is why I switched, because Osweiler got paid. Yeah. The Denver off defense off is of Denver's defense. Yeah, sight, exactly. they're sight unseen. <laughs> they're looking at him as a traitor. They mm-hmm. want to get to him bad. And that's the only reason why I switched to the Broncos, yeah. because and I think they are the ones who want to win more than he does. Joe? Yeah, and to piggyback on Omar, me being a defensive player, you're with us. You ride us to a Super Bowl, you know, and you get paid off of us, and you leave, you jump ship, oh, it's on. Let me ask I'm coming you, for you. Let me, let me ask you this. Please don't. Let me ask you this, though. Joe, if you really want to win a game, which I think we all can agree that Brock Osweiler, this is a game he wants to get, right? Are you more apt, especially as a, as a quarterback, and not that you've been a quarterback, but just thinking about it from a player's standpoint, are you more apt to follow? Because there's a, clearly a, a game plan out there. to be. Phillip Rivers followed it. It was started by, the, by Kyle Shanahan and the Atlanta Falcons. Get those linebackers in coverage, force them to cover the running backs out the backfield. Are you more apt, Coach Joe, as a player, if this is a game you really want to win, to follow the game plan or to actually deviate? Will your emotions get the best of you and you'll deviate from that? What, as a, a Texans offense? Or? No, you're talking about the Broncos defense. I'm talking about no. I'm talking no. I'm talking about from from Osweiler's standpoint. Yeah. This is a game he really wants to win. Okay, so is it's he the more system apt- that he has to run and yes. that's in place because he's he, not leading the system. Exactly. So is okay. he more apt to follow that system because he really wants to win, or will the moment be too big for him and he deviate from that? I think it's both. I think both happens. I think he he starts off following the system and he realizes the system's not going to work, and when it doesn't work, he tries his hardest to be the guy that he's play. not. You know, and, and and just like offensive, they, they have that tail to set, you know, oh, this is what uh, San Diego did to Broncos. This is what the Falcons did to Broncos. We adjust, too, on defense. Right. You know, so after watching those two weeks of films, you know, we attack. As a defense, it's about pressure, 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 mm-hmm. you know, and what he's not going to handle best, if you watch him, he doesn't handle pressure very well. But that was your pick to win the division. I know. And I'm backing out. <laughs> <laughs> and on that I'm note. and buying. And fantasy picks. <laughs> and on that note, we're moving to our fantasy picks. Kevin, we'll start with you. Who do you have? Give us your fantasy recommendations. I'm going with the Red Rocket, a.k.a. Christopher Robin, a.k.a. Andy Dalton against the Browns. <laughs> okay. He's a third in passing yards, and Cleveland's D has given up the second most passing touchdowns. Okay. I'm going with Marco Murray against Indy. That is self-explanatory. And, oh, my God, come on, Ravens. Mike Wallace against the Jets defense. They're giving up the fourth most receiving touchdowns. All right. So since we've been doing fantasy recommendations, two things have emerged that I've noticed. Number one is if we all are on a player, Uh, go the other way. Big Ben. For real. Okay? We were all on Big Ben. It didn't work out. ODB a few weeks back. It didn't work out. Go the other way. But the other thing that's emerged is that Omar Henderson – and I'm giving his government name, 
He may not hit on game picks, <laughs> but he but he hits on the fantasy picks. Last week, he was gung-ho, locked in on Ezekiel Elliott, and Ezekiel Elliott ran through them. And then he gave us, he was a homer, and gave us Cameron yeah. Meredith. Now, the Bears are playing tonight, so I don't think we're going to get a Bear. So this will really be interesting. But, folks, you need to listen to whatever Omar is about to say. Oh, shit. Omar. He's peer pressure, peer pressure, peer pressure, bro. <laughs> right. Um, so one, I'm flex. My flex is Demarco Murray against okay. the Colts, Demarco which Murray. is self-explanatory. All right, that's two. My quarterback is Tom Brady against the Steelers. I got Tom Brady as well. Yep. And my wide receiver is Julio Jones. Julio Jones. Okay. He, he didn't get off like he wanted last week. He getting off this week. And he did really. He, he actually did pretty good last week. He got held. <laughs> <laughs> Devin, who you got? Devin actually gave us David Johnson three touchdowns last week. Yeah, he had a monster game. Who you got this week, Devin? Got us uh, money. This <laughs> he did. Thank you, Devin. I got uh, you're welcome. I got uh, Matt Ryan uh, versus the Chargers at home. Okay. Um, I got uh, for my flex. I got Legarrette hit that blunt. Yeah. Uh, for the Patriots, I think <laughs> may- maybe not that many yards, but I think he gets two rushing touchdowns. Okay. Um, and I have Winnie the Pooh. A.J. Green against the Browns, pairing up with Christopher Robbins. Yeah. Okay. I got uh, Tom Brady, uh, as I said earlier. Le'Veon Bell. I like that game. Uh, I like definitely like the Patriots to win. But there's going to be a lot of Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell running. Le'Veon Bell catching. Le'Veon Bell throwing. Le'Veon Bell on defense because they don't have a quarterback. And I like Giovanni Bernard. I like Giovanni Bernard in that Cincinnati-Cleveland game. Les, who you got? I got Mariota versus the Colts. Okay. A.J. Green, Cleveland. All right, Mike that's Evans, two. Mike Evans, 49ers. Mike Evans, 49ers. And Coach Joe, before we get out of here, give me your three fantasy recommendations. Let's get the shots ready. I have uh, my QB is Eli Manning against the Rams. Okay. Okay. But he um, picked the Rams to win. Yes, Keep going. I did. Pete Prisco uh, did. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, to. Uh, Don't say Terrell Owens. No. Because <laughs> if that was the point, Smith. he was off the show. Smith. Terrell. I have Smith. Smith? Tory Smith. Oh, Tory Smith. Smith. Okay, yeah. and lastly, I think this is going to be a big, year, uh, big game for him. Okay, he's going deep. And then my flex is uh, Jock, Jockwis, uh Rod- Rogers. Jacquez Rogers. Yeah, he had he had one on one last week, five points, five point six yards per carry. Okay, he did have a good game. All we right, got money off him. This is a good show. We did good show. Uh, Facebook Live, Facebook Live this Sunday. Get up early with us, six a.m. Pacific Standard Time. We're going to talk shit. Be there or be watch, square. Watch the Giants and the Rams at Twickenham Stadium. Uh, we thank you for tuning in, visiting us at 32 Kings Road. We'll see you next week. Follow us on social media. We're about to sip this bullet. Cheerio. Cheers. Cheers, mate. Ah. Ah. Good stuff, man. Good stuff.